Welcome to another episode of El Cafecito. My name is Leonardo Casenza. I'm your host for this second season, and I'm tired of Zoom calls. Now me? Sorry. Yeah, I too. <laughs> Sorry. My, my, this is my first time. My name is Domingo Carlomagno. I'm from Paraguay, but for the sake of the conversation, please call me Sunday, which is my nickname. Oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, hi, everyone. My name is uh, Chris. Uh, I'm from Ecuador, and uh, yeah, for the sake of this uh, podcast, you can just call me Chris, I guess. Nice. Hi, everyone. It's Anna, and I'm back. And I'm not over the virus, but over being at home. Hola, hello, Cubo. My name is Raquel, and I'm very excited about the fall semester, but I'm not excited of taking online classes. Yeah, man. We're back again with Radio Viral in second episode. And this time we're going to talk about student experiences during the pandemic. And we've invited Domingo and Chris here um, to talk about this topic with us. And I wanted to jump right in and talk about the earlier stages of the pandemic um, and ask you guys, how was the transition from uh, regular classes to online classes? And and how was your initial reaction to the pandemic um, being a student? So I, I go to college in Argentina, right? And when the whole pandemic started and Argentina said that they're going to have online classes, my mother told me, you're coming back to Paraguay. I was like, okay. So I, I returned to Paraguay and I had to be in quarantine for 14 days. I had to be 14 days in isolation which was really kind of tough. Like, even though I was in my house or anything, it was really kind of tough being in this room that I'm right now and being 14 days alone. But the transition, it was, it was for me personally, it was kind of hard, the transition from, from being in the classroom to online classes. And it kind of took a toll also in my, in my grades, in my college grades, which like I had long conversations with, with my mother about this and she told me like, don't worry first comes like I want you to be okay like I don't want you to stress um, about something that it's out of our hands you know so please just just be chill do your best and it is what it is that's kind of the conversations that I started having with my parents about my college education regarding the pandemic wow and so that's that sounds tough to move countries during all of this and how much time did you have left in your semester at that point when it all we, happened we were in the second week of classes the second week of classes which was also tough for me because i, I was moving from one apartment to another it, it was my second year in college and i was moving from one apartment to another and like it was a, a sunday that my mother called me and said you're coming back to paraguay tonight you know wow. and i didn't have any time to like pick up my clothes or anything like i just grabbed two t-shirts three pair of underwear and just went to the airport i i bought my ticket in the airport like there i was i went to the counter and I said, I, i'm getting out of this country <laughs> please give me a ticket and they were like okay i'll give you a discount at least they gave me a discount you know That's and it nice. was kind of tough because like my 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 main concern was bringing bringing my computer and my ipad so i could be connected to the classes like i worried more about my ipad and my computer than than my clothes and stuff like that you know and it was like <laughs> It was like kind of crazy, like, because like I didn't want to return to Paraguay. I was like, no, this is not going to be like 
a big deal. I underestimated the issue also, but 118 days later, I'm like, wow, I should have brought more clothes with me, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, priorities, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was really tough. It was really tough. But I'm here now. I'm happy. I'm doing I'm doing other activities to keep my mind occupied and everything. And it's it's a day at a time. It's one day at a time. And like I'm not even surprised about changes anymore. Like if the government announces uh, next week that the quarantine is going to be like longer, I'm going to be like, "Okay, it is what it is, you know." That's my mentality now. It is what it is. Good. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. What about you, Chris? How was your experience? Oh, well, the experience and the whole transition uh, uh, that I had to like go through was uh, especially here at the beginning. Uh, I think it really uh, caught on me because of the many of my uh, studio classes and many of my uh, university uh, projects were supposed to have like a, an essentially uh, physical uh, part, let's say maquetas or models and stuff like that. So a part of that transition was to uh, sort of learn how to uh, transfer this uh, merely physical uh, project, physical products into digital forms of uh, and uh, for for projects and for uh, uh, different exams with the uh, with with my classes, but uh, I think at the beginning it was a bit hard. Uh, also, the whole pandemic thing and the quarantine thing kind of got into my nerves. It was kind of hard to find the motivation at the beginning, but with the time and uh, with the uh, pass of time, things started to to improve, I guess. Wow, and so you were saying that you had to like adapt to learning how to make models and all that online. Can you share a little bit more about what exactly, like what type of models, what are you studying that requires you to do that and how like right. how quickly you had to change to learn that? Well, uh, I'm studying architecture. Well, I just finished this year. I just graduated from uh, the Daniels faculty at the University of Toronto. So- Congrats. Thank you. Basically, most of uh, my projects, as you might imagine, would be related to drawings and uh, models and, you know, presentations uh, and reviews. So that's the thing that for us, uh, in, in, in a sense, uh, we had to learn how to, uh, not learn, but like how to improve our, our knowledge in terms of like digitalization of uh, our work. So in that sense, uh, instead of doing uh, models and of having reviews, in-person reviews, we'd have to do uh, renders and uh, digital visualizations of our work. Uh, plus also like learning how to, um, you know, use Zoom or like dealing with uh, all of that experience of using Zoom, a lot of people in it. Uh, but yeah, mainly just about that. Leo, you were still in school. Do you have anything to add about your transition? Did you have similar experiences? Um, it was it was a short transition because I had only the final semester to finish, about only two months. Um, but I had to quickly go back home 
and it was a quick transition too from about two weeks I, I i noticed that i had to leave and then i had to book the tickets and figure out everything with my residence in my dorm and so this means i had to leave quite quickly but so this means i had to adapt to this new quarantine life in rio and rio is being back home with my parents and this means that there's different kinds of routines that you're you end up involved in and it's it's hard to adapt when um, you're going back home after such a long time not being home and you realize that you had a routine that that was a high school routine that fits to that pattern years ago but nowadays it's completely different to what you've become and what you've turned in, in university and that's all relates to my to my to my studying experiences because I had to keep on studying in this in this new routine and this new environment. Yeah, it so feels like high school again, doesn't it? It feels, it feels <laughs> yeah, like high school like, again in some ways. Well, I yeah. remember I was writing my essays at the kitchen table, telling my parents to leave me alone. It felt very much <laughs> like I was in high school, but the stakes were much higher. So, yeah. yeah. So, speaking of our routines, what was something that you had to change um, because of the pandemic, like something that you were doing it before and uh, because you weren't able to go outside or being able to go to class. What was something that you had to change? Uh, my, my, my whole routine changed because like in Argentina, I live alone. Like I have my own time to have right. like lunch, dinner and everything. And now I'm with my family. So it's like, I need to adapt to their schedule. And yeah. it, the first two weeks that I, like I said before, like I was living, I was here alone in my room in isolation. It totally changed my routine because like my university also like canceled classes for two weeks. So the faculty could be like taught how to use Zoom and everything. So I didn't have like any schedule. It was like, I woke up at five in the afternoon. It, it was crazy. I woke up at five in the afternoon and went to sleep at six in the morning. I was like a mess. It was a mess. Like those two weeks for me were like, it was like, I, I've never been that that bad in my whole life. I think it was in 2018 when I had like a similar experience, right? But it was like, oh my God, like I, like I touched rock bottom. But after that, like I had a serious conversation with myself and I said, okay, Domingo, you need to understand that you're in Paraguay and you need to have a routine again. Because like for me, a routine is really important. So like I started waking up at eight in the morning started having lunch at 12, like at, at noon, and then I went to sleep like at, at 11, 12 at night. So like I, I had to start having my own routine for the sake of 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 my health because like it was like I started being a mess. Like it it really affected me. The, the, the whole pandemic, it really affected me for the worst part, like mentally and stuff like that. And I feel I that, yeah. yeah. I think that a lot of students can relate to what you're saying, especially because, yeah. at least for, for me, for my side, um, my my sleeping schedule when I was in school was crazy. And uh, I right after the pandemic happened, I think that most of my university professors were very understanding. And they said, oh, try to relax. We are all going through really tough times to take some time for yourself um so i try to sleep more and relax and try to do things for my mental wellness um 
and I think it's something that I will say maybe not only students but everyone like all of our for all of us our routines change it and I think that they're constantly changing um, because of all the different things we're all going through so it's important to know that we need to give time to ourselves to heal to rest and yeah, because we are going through a lot of stress and pressure from like different sides. So it's good to um, remember that we need to take a break and and try to relax for, for a bit. Yeah. yeah and what are that, the other... Oh. Something yeah. that really helped me also was when my university like resumed like online classes. It was really good for me that because I had a schedule, you know, like if classes started at nine, I knew that I had to wake up at eight and I had to study afterwards. Like having online classes really like gave me a structure in the pandemic, which I'm really grateful for. But like still having online classes, is like, I wouldn't wish it to anyone. Like it's better to have in the classroom, you know? Absolutely. Chris, I don't know. I feel you? like in, in my experience, um, it was more of a roller coaster of, uh, of feelings and like of routines because I remember starting the pandemic uh, with a pretty normal routine like I'll, I'll be like cooking I'll be doing like all my stuff and uh, really uh, like in a nice schedule sort of thing but uh, then after two weeks uh, like I would gradually just start to uh, fall like my schedule would start falling I would start like sleeping more like late in the at night and waking up like at 1 p.m. sort of thing. So me too. It, it something was we more like that for me, I guess. Something we tend to forget is that there's a global pandemic war happening out there, you know, and that yeah, the our... university has to go on, classes have to go on. They don't. <laughs> and that and that we, classes like... have to go on, but there is this really yeah. mediocre task that we're having to deal with here, which is like working, and dealing with like the small things in life. And so there's this whole thing going on, and this means that we have to sometimes mediate what we're doing, and that sometimes it's fine to to sleep in, and sometimes it's it's reasonable and understandable stay up all night and lose up our, our our sleeping schedules but that's part of it because there's still something really bad going on out there and this means that um we still have to mediate exactly what we're feeling and I, I agree and so i remember when i was kind of adjusting all my professors gave me like extended deadlines like almost a month extra time to do my work and I don't know about you guys but when I saw that I was like time to relax like <laughs> it was my last semester you know just like Chris like I was like I'm done I'm second reading week I could talk into that as well because most of my projects were also pushed forward like in the uh, and later in the in the month but uh one thing that happened is that uh, uh like we would get more time they would just like start to asking for more stuff oh so, that happened to me too like like they assume that because we're in our houses we have more time which in my like case we have the motivation to do it you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah my motivation dropped i i remember there's this one essay i had they gave me a month extra time a month and i still did it the night before i still 
pulled an all-nighter to finish it. And I was like, come on, what's wrong with me? I had all this time living at my parents' house. I don't have to cook. I don't have to work. All these things. But I still didn't have that motivation to finish my work because I wasn't in my my routine, my work setting. So I don't know how you guys kept yourselves motivated. But I feel like me, the all-nighter the all-nighter concept is just like this pretty UFT thing that like we sort of romanticize this like oh the all-nighter thing but like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I stopped doing the all-nighter after doing two consecutive two consecutive all-nighters which got me like I, I had a fever I, I laid the whole oh, week no. in bed like it, removed, it destroyed me doing a, a two consecutive all-nighters like never yeah. again and My I guess you were still early in your semester right you still were beginning so i feel like that's a different experience because here in north america we were like we only had three weeks left of our semester so we were kind of like you know what i'm over it but i don't know maybe you could tell us a little bit more about how like starting your semester transition you still had all this coursework to do like what was that like yeah so as i mentioned before my universities like stopped classes for two weeks except one class which was constitutional law because like okay. the, the constitutional law professors like they are used to doing online classes because like a lot of people do that course online i don't know why but okay so like it was like kind of difficult at first but like i have to acknowledge that most of my professors they understood what was going on and they like showed them interest in our like mental health and how we were doing and especially with international students or students that lived in the they say like in Argentina they call it the interior I don't know it's like living a thousand miles away from the from the university like they were worried about students that were coming from other cities how they were doing and that really like showed me okay they, they really care about us you know and it kind of motivated me but like I said before some professors like yeah they correlated online classes and being at home with having like all this amount of time which in my case wasn't because like in paraguay um, the government when the quarantine started they said like people that clean houses they are not allowed to go to houses to clean so like in my family we had to divide our chores like to clean the kitchen to cook to to wash the clothes and everything so like i had chores to do to do in my house which sometimes interfered with me having like so i didn't have that free time that my professors assumed you know but like at the end it worked out like now i have my finals going on i, I have my history final in two days so i'm mm-hmm. studying for that and, and i'm fine you know it was it is what it is <laughs> that's what like I, I think that's my catchphrase you know it is what it is you know yeah <laughs> that's the theme of this question oh yeah. <laughs> i have a question for you domingo what type yeah. of um services or opportunities uh did the university offer you as a student because so for for example u of t after the pandemic started u of t created an emergency um like grant for students that were having economic um Mm -hmm. difficulties and other types of problems and as well as counseling different matters so i'm just wondering what type of services did the university offer you as a student um the only service that they kind of said it was like if you're late with your 
with your payment for the like in Argentina we pay monthly we do it monthly payments we don't do like the full tuition we do it monthly and it was like if you're late with your payment we won't charge you the interest that was like all they did because like and I was like okay I had trouble paying my university not because I didn't have the money but because I was in Paraguay and I usually pay my my tuition with money that I have in Argentina but me being here I couldn't transfer the money and what they told me okay don't worry then I asked my aunt which lives in Argentina and she paid for me no problem right but like that was the only program that my my university did another thing they did which is kind of good do you know the webpage Coursera Oh yeah. Have you heard about Coursera? Yes. Yeah. They they made it free. Okay. Like all the, the online courses, they like said, okay, which online courses are you interested in? We get, we made a full list, you know. And they said, okay, you can access Coursera with your university email and you're gonna have the free thing. You can, you're gonna have the the diploma and everything paid for. It was kind of that's cool. great. For that. So more work on top of your schoolwork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was optional. That was for optional, free. You know? <laughs> like I started doing Coursera, I started doing it, and then and then I kind of stopped doing it because like it was overwhelming the amount of 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 things that I had to do. So I I said, okay, this is not a priority right now. I still have time to complete my courses, so I'm gonna do it like later. But like it was kind of cool that they did that. But that's the only two things that they did, you know, yeah. that I'm aware of. Yeah. What about you, Chris? What do you think yeah, about U of T services? I was just gonna say that I, I think it's pretty interesting to uh, sort of establish this uh, like differences between how universities deal in deal in South America or Latin America and universities how they deal in North America. Because uh, I feel like for U of T, the uh, the uh, the services and the uh, sources resources we we had were more towards like literally philanthropy like literally founding us because we didn't have like money at all uh, so in, in my in my case uh, what the university did it was basically um, COVID coronavirus emergency found that uh, you as an international student or as an like native student from Canada, you could apply for it and they would give you a thousand dollars just by applying it, by telling them what's your situation, what do you need the money for, uh, like what are your, your rent and your I don't know, internet, your food sort of uh, uh, money that you need uh, for, for a month and they would just give it to you. So in that sense, U of T really came through, uh, really, really, really helped a lot. Uh, not only to me, I'm pretty sure there's many other students and I know a lot of students that benefited from it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, super thankful to you because of that. Wow, that's so good. I didn't know. So just like right off the bat, no questions asked, they give you $1,000. Uh, for sure, that would depend on your registrar. So it would be like a conversation, let's say like 30 minute conversation with the person of your registrar. And uh, you would talk to them and tell them what the situation is, why do you need the money, uh, what happened to your money, what happened to your finances. And in that sense, since I wasn't the necessity to do it, uh, I just like, it was a call for me. Like I, I, 
I I had to do it, and uh, they literally just like deposited my account like a week after. So that, that oh, was wow. amazing. I think that was amazing. And like, That's really good. Yeah, yeah, like liquid cash. Wow. Perks of UP, yeah, I guess. That's really yeah, nice for, of U of T. You were really really lucky because like in my university, the question was raised like if they were gonna like lower the tuition fee, but they didn't. So okay. <laughs> Like they said, okay, we're not using the facilities. Maybe they can make an exception and we can pay less, but that didn't happen either. So it is what it is. Yeah, yeah I guess that would really tell us a lot uh, about, I guess, how much money the university actually has. Well, in that yeah. sense, U of T has been probably like top one in Canada and like top 10 in the world. It, I. I feel like it was something that that they they had to do it as well because many of our of us like international students are uh, what uh, like many of us we pay of tuition as well so in that sense I I took it as a as a good will and good action but uh, understandable as well for international students I guess yeah 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 how do you guys feel about tuition not being lowered at your university and I know at U of T they didn't lower tuition for summer courses so what do you guys think about that um like I, I kind of understand it also because like okay my I, I acknowledge that my university is a small university we have like 6,000 student max like undergrad and grad students plus the faculty were like 6,000 people in the in campus and I kind of understand it, but like, okay, I can pay that amount of money right now, but I, but I know some of my classmates can't. So it was like, okay, I want them to lower it, but not for me because I can pay that. I can pay that sum of money with no problem, but I want my, my classmates to be able to afford it. It's not that expensive compared to, to um, universities in the United States or in Canada. It's six it's six hundred dollars um, so it's not that much money for people that are accustomed to having forty five thousand year tuition but for people that live in argentina and that they struggle with the whole economy which is like going bad right now which was going bad before covid and now it's worse it's hard for them like i had classmates that unfortunately couldn't afford anymore the university and the university didn't have any any other option because like they have to adjust the the cost of the of tuition according to inflation because they have also to pay the the professors and the faculty stuff you know so i kind of understand it why they didn't do it but i also feel bad for um, my classmates who or other people at university who can't afford it who can't afford it you understand but have you transitioned to online classes properly because here in brazil as we we also have our state of public universities not as good as in Canada or the U.S. and they're probably pretty close to the Argentinian level. And most universities are are closed for COVID for now. And actually, they haven't been um, adaptive to the online system. And actually, students are not having classes at all and are waiting until um, further notice, probably up until September or December and late later in the year. And how's the situation there? 
Uh, yeah, my university is a private university in Argentina, but like uh, talking about the public universities here in, in Asuncion, in Paraguay, and in, in public schools in general, like public schools here in Paraguay and, and in Argentina, they're having, they're struggling with the whole online classes thing because like their students can't afford a computer or they don't have the connection. Like Paraguay, like specifically talking about Paraguay, we have a lot of issue when it comes to power and connectivity to the Wi-Fi, even though we have one of the, the largest producer of electricity here, like Itaipu and Jacireta, we have two huge hydroelectrics, which produce like each year, they they surpass the, the, the amount of energy they produce, even though we have all of that, we have poor infrastructure when it comes to delivering electricity and connectivity to all those students. So it was kind of hard, like, I remember entering my classes and telling my professor, look, if you're, you ask me a question and I'm not available, it's probably because it's raining right now and in five minutes we're gonna, we're gonna lose power, you know? Oh, wow. Like, like, yeah, it was kind of like that. Like my sister, she had, a, she had to take her school finals like a couple of weeks ago and we didn't have power in my house. We didn't have, connect we didn't have connection. She went to the house of one of her classmates, which, which was lucky enough to have a generator. And a generator is like quite expensive because like $50,000, you know, like in the neighborhood I live, like three of my neighbors, they have a, they have a, they have a generator. But, and when sometimes when we run out of energy, like run out of power, they say, okay, you can come to our house and use our electricity. But like, it was, it, it was hard on that measure. And as I said before, a lot of kids don't have access to computers or telephones. Like, yeah, online classes, everything is going well, they said, but it wasn't the truth. Like mm -hmm. the the children of the of the of the two ladies that clean my house, they they had a lot of trouble with it because they received their assignments via WhatsApp. That's it. That was the class, you know. Oh, your wow. your assignments to do your workbook one through one like questions one through five and turn it in you know and on that class of 50 children only three had a working computer you know my mother she she donated some of our some of our old computers to to the children of our of our cleaning lady so that sh they could access those like they could access classes but in the end it wasn't like uh it wasn't that good because like only three kids had computers, so they changed the whole, the whole, the whole thing. Instead of having classes like Zoom or anything like that, it was WhatsApp, you know. And that also happened in a lot of private schools that are private. But the only difference between a public school and the and a private school is that they pay like it's like it's called it's private, but it looks more like a public school yeah. without without sounding mean or like condescending or anything i'm just stating the facts you know yeah of course like yeah it was it was hard <laughs> i imagine yeah. yeah yeah i feel that this conversation of education and finances and how everything is supposed to work without money or without uh classes and stuff it's it's pretty controversial controversial in a sense yeah. in ecuador especially what happened uh, is that the, especially for the public education, public superior education universities and stuff, 
the uh, government uh, cut the funds of uh, like every public university by the 70%. So like oh, reduces 30% out of out of the whole funding and the universities would uh, they like of course they didn't like it and like especially like in April and probably the most important month for this whole pandemic thing uh, universities I remember like Universidad Central eh, eh, they called for like a strike outside of the university like in like mid-April and you could see like a lot of the students a lot of people uh, you know uh, like just asking for their right to go to university and uh, to have like superior education founded by the government. So that's, that was like a whole polemic between this, uh, this conversation of, oh, so you're going to cut education? But that's sort of like un un unconstitutional because uh, uh, like in the constitution, it's supposed to defend the education and uh, public health. As a matter of fact, like after everything. So that was pretty, that was something that really struck with the, with the superior education in Ecuador. And like, of course, in, in sense of, uh, you know, high schools and uh, preschools and primary schools, all of that thing, that's a different chapter as well, because many, many of the uh, schools, little schools, public schools in Ecuador, they just had to cut it like straight up. I remember like my Nana, would call me and be like, uh, you know, like my like my my daughter literally, literally like they don't have uh, access to education like at all. So like there's nothing happening right now. That's pretty. Oh, wow. You, you, yeah, yeah, you I'm can another... see that at, like in not only in Ecuador, but it's probably like it's definitely around the whole world. No, no, something that because he was talking about access to education and everything. And another question that arise when everything was, they were talking about um, canceling classes and going to online courses. A lot of people said, what, what my children are going to eat? Because a lot of children depend on the food that is provided by the state in the public schools. I don't know if Ecuador had that same issue. They were like, what my children are going to eat? That sometimes that what they eat at school is their only meal throughout the day, you know, because they can't afford to eat. And it was like, the question was raised, whether or not to like what to do with the children that that depend on the school meals to to, to eat you know definitely like that's a different like that's even uh, like a further conversation because in as well in paraguay and in the whole south america ecuador also has these programs that uh allow uh kids and children to uh have their meals at school and that's mm -hmm. something be controversial at the same time because imagine just being on a house with only god knows how many more people which is like a super small building and then like let's say Guayaquil which is super hot just like a lot of people in a house in quarantine and 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 and, and they couldn't even go out for like anything so that, that was pretty controversial as well in that sense. I'm pretty sad to think about it. And that's why people used to think, oh yeah, like why can't you just like stay at home and, 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 and uh, like be safe from coronavirus and respect each other. But like, no, like that's what you tell from your perspective, but- uh, Your privilege, like from your- Different privilege. perspective, it's, it's, it's yeah. completely different.
know that a lot of people here in Paraguay, I don't know if in Ecuador is the same, but in Argentina, I know it happens too. Like they started depending on these ollas populares. Like the the whole neighborhood came together and they said, okay, they have three kilos of rice, um, two kilos of meat, and they made like this, like this, we call it guiso, uh, um, a stew or something like that, you know, and they, um, with that, they, they fed the whole neighborhood. Like a lot of people right now depend on that to eat because like, because of the quarantine, like they, 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 they earn money on a daily basis. Like, and with, and by staying at home, they, they lost their everyday income. So like they can afford food and they depend on that. So like the question was raised a lot here in Paraguay and there was this big debate whether like regarding the food and the safety also of people living in the more vulnerable communities here in Paraguay. I agree. I think that everything you're saying is very important to understand the different realities that people in South America are experiencing. And as a student, I'm very grateful to be in Canada right now where I have access to different opportunities and services in case anything happens to me. It just, from my side, I just feel very distant towards what's happening in Ecuador because I'm not there. I cannot understand what many students are going through, um, starting by not having a computer at home, not having proper Wi-Fi connection. So there are so many different things that students have to face and when professors or teachers, they are not understanding towards our experience uh, because they believe that we have more time or um, there are less things to worry about. At the same time, I just think that there are so many other things that we didn't have to worry before. So I, I just wanted to emphasize the importance of taking some time for ourselves, of understanding that hopefully we will get better, like the situation will get better soon, that we all have to do our part to contribute to uh, flatten the curve. And the other thing that I, I wanted to ask you is, uh, Chris, so you were talking about the situation for um, universities, like public universities in, in Ecuador. But I know that uh, at the same time, scholars uh, from Ecuador were suffering and were affected when the pandemic started. So I would like to know if you can tell us a bit more about your experience as a Ecuadorian scholar, how the pandemic affected you um, and how this program um, helped you in some way or another. Just if you can tell us your experience, that would be great. Thank you. Right, yeah. Um, well, I, I, thankfully I, I was uh, assigned a scholarship by the uh, government of Ecuador and uh, Senecit and the uh, Instituto al Fomento del Talento Humano, which is basically an institution that manages scholarships in Ecuador. Uh, five years ago, they gave it to me. Everything would be like super great with, with, the, with the pass of the years. Uh, the institution sort of started to uh, sort of fail down, like uh, started become really uh, um, bureaucratic in a sense with all the scholars. So what happened uh, during the pandemic is that uh, they would owe us a lot of for uh, like legal money that they had to give to many of us like uh, before the pandemic started. So like there's 
actually numbers of the uh, of, of the quantity of the university of uh, Ecuadorian scholars that uh, wasn't that weren't paid for the longest time for like two or one year. In my case, it was around 12 months. Uh, they didn't pay me. So it was crazy to think that even though we would uh, ask them and like uh, inquire them about what's happening with with their cases, they would even they wouldn't even respond to us. And uh, that escalated to, uh, to a media campaign with a lot of uh, uh, students from Ecuador uh, around the world, sort of like. Uh, Asking and uh, engaging in this uh, in this sort of battle against against the against the yeah the government and uh, just like asking for them to respect our rights as as, as scholars and uh, things weren't too great uh, they 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 delay a lot on paying us many of us I have like friends that literally had to leave their places, sell the stuff that they had. Some of them would even be like selling empanadas or like, you know, like trying to like do things to survive in Madrid or like the UK and stuff uh, or places. Uh, it was sad to, to see all these people that uh, weren't listened by, 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 our, by, by, by our people, like by, by our government and by our, or by our sponsors. Uh, Thankfully, with the time, they sort of catch up. Uh, even though it it, it, it it took a long time for them to to give us our money and to actually uh, say something about our situation, they did it. So in that sense, uh, they they followed our contracts and they, they sort of took care of us. But at the beginning, it was pretty rough because there was something within those institutions that wasn't going great since 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 back in the time. So unfortunately for them, COVID happened. And when COVID happened, uh, all, all this work that they had to do since months and years before, it caught up to them. Uh, so they, they just messed up in, in that sense. But now I think a, the situation it's it's getting better they paid me thankfully uh but it, it was a really a really obnoxious and sort of sad experience for not only for me i know a lot of the cases in in, in toronto as well ecuadorian students in toronto and in the world but uh you know that la, 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 la union hace la fuerza we we came together we fought for our rights we did this a huge amazing uh twitter campaign and the uh, ministers became on our side a lot of important people started advocating for her rights and for for her money and it happened thank you wow. for telling us that's, your your story that's amazing and the fact that you were dealing with all this while trying to finish your semester i can't imagine how stressful that could be so congrats plus also yeah plus also <laughs> the, the stress of like my mom calling me every day, like, what are you doing? Are you even eating? Like, you, you don't even know how to cook. I'll be like, mom, don't worry. My, I'm next to my check. You know? But, uh, <laughs> but uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I know that you just graduated from U of T, so congrats. Um, but I was 
you can tell us more about I know that at least for University of Toronto students, um, since we started our uh, journey at U of T, we all um, want to take the famous picture in front of Convocation Hall uh, with oh our God. friends and family and showing off your, your diploma and your gowns and all that. So I know that fortunately the class of 2020 wasn't able to, to do that. But um, what was your, like, I guess that UFC had some other kind of graduation ceremony. So if you, oh, Anna, you're, you're also a recent grad. If you, <laughs> if you can also tell us how, how was it, uh, how do you feel as a recent grad uh, finishing UFT, like your, your studies at UFT and entering uh, a workforce with many, many uncertainties? Yeah, well... I will say I always had that dream. I, I remember sitting in first year classes in Convocation Hall and looking around me and being like, one day I'm going to walk down here, get my diploma. But that's just me being extra and being me. But I, I, I was disappointed, but not surprised, but disappointed by our virtual graduation. I don't know, Chris, if you share the sentiment, but I found that it was very... 100% impersonal because it was one youtube video a youtube video for everyone who was graduating undergrad masters phd medicine dentistry everyone who was graduating got one video so that was really disheartening for me um but you know i i, I tried to make the best out of it i celebrated with my mom and dad we had a little dinner and that was kind of it I got to see my friends. We went to a cottage, so that was another little celebration for me. Um, but going graduating right now in these times is luckily I'm not looking for a job because I'm going to my master's. I'm just skipping right through that, and I'm not going to look for a job right now in the current climate because I don't think there's anything out there. But I don't know, Chris. What do you think? Uh, no, definitely. I I support. Uh, like I support you 100% in the sense that it was heartbreaking, but I wasn't surprised by it. By it. Uh, I mean, what what were the chances that U of T could help a convocation in these times? Like, it would have been pretty pretty difficult and in, in a sense also irresponsible, let's say it. For in my case, it was pretty heartbroken because, you know, my mom and my sister, they would already have like tickets booked to come to Toronto and visit me and my mom be like dreaming about like seeing me through all the hall and getting my diploma and everything but uh, I mean for me at the beginning of course I, it, I felt bad but then it was something more of uh, okay it just happened like that uh, it's that's probably why I'll have to go back to master's and actually graduate properly you know and as Dominica will say it is what it is it is exactly what it is. like it like somebody would say it is what it is and in terms of like the labor and uh and the labor market that we recent graduates are facing right now i can tell you from the bottom of my heart that it's so difficult to actually find something and like because there's a lot of recent graduates first of all and there's so many so like few workplaces at the moment like nothing is open or especially like in the industry architecture design or even like 
design, interior design. It's it's been it's been a hard moment, like especially for I know for recent graduates. Thankfully for me, I I I had the opportunity to join my 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 faculty as a research assistant in our architectural advocacy and modern heritage advocacy. So in that sense, like I'm like thank God that I could land in in in, in a good in in good in good land in in in, in good people. Uh, but uh, but in but it's definitely a challenge right now for everything for for everyone who graduated. It is what it is. It is what it, it is. is. What it with is. this, with this solid message, I'm gonna end this podcast and wrap it up right here. I would like to thank everyone for participating in this wonderful um, conversation. And as always, I'd like to remind you that El Cafecito is available on Spotify, um, at SoundCloud, and iTunes. And I'll see everyone next week. Thank you very much for coming. And bye bye. Thank you. Ciao ciao. Bye. Bye. Bye.